The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Hello and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm your ghost, your, your guest uh, uh, commentator this evening, and I have the pleasure of having the Mayor of Malden with us this evening, Gary Christensen. Thank you, Mayor. Good to see you. <laughs> As a ghost. I know. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I was there. You know, um, there's so much that's going on in Malden, and, and I did have an opportunity of um, seeing at least a portion of your State of the City address, and uh, there's so many things that you brought up. I just kind of, without burdening you with a re re repetition, they were, maybe give us an outline on some of those kinds of things that you had mentioned. The, the more than looking forward, really, there's so much happening in the coming up, and you're, you're in the middle of it, obviously, as the mayor. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I would just encourage everyone who hasn't seen it to go to YouTube and type in City of Malden 2022 State of the City Address, and you'll see roughly 45 minutes to an hour presentation in a video format that will talk about all the different areas that we're working on throughout the city. And uh, they include housing, uh, health, uh, inspections, police, fire, public works, et cetera. It's about uh, 15 to 20 sections. The, um, some of the things you're dealing with now, I'm just trying to, this is your third term? Yes. And uh, this will be a, f a full four-year term previously. Yes. So, okay. so you've had a chance to, in looking back, as much as, you, as the city has to look forward, in looking back, whether, uh, as you call, um, I'll test your memory. <laughs> <laughs> when you first took office as mayor, of course, you came off the city council, so you yeah. had that, uh, uh, prior to that time, you'd been on the school committee. Yes. But when you first came in, and, what were the challenges at that time versus what you dealt with in the last couple of years? Understanding just how the executive branch works. I had been on the city council for roughly eight years, and prior to that, five years on the school committee. So I was always sort of in that legislative mode. So it took a little bit to adapt going from the legislative to the executive branch. But the one thing that helped me is having great people around me. And uh, that's why when you were talking about the State of the City address, it, it's as much about the issues, but it's also about the people that have been working on them. Yeah, so. but there's crises that occur unanticipated or, yeah. un, uh, or unforeseen, and, and yet um, you, you go back a couple of years ago and the way things happened that unfolded with the coronavirus, which mm -hmm. was uh, obviously it's it's about two years actually uh, that it's. Uh, uh, I remember uh, in March of that year, two years ago, I was in Florida and there was a problem in get, leaving the state. Yeah. You could also fly to Florida for twenty dollars, which you can't do now. And obviously, the part of the reason for that is that people weren't traveling, so that right. was a total, total shutdown, literally at one point. But um, you're, you're in the corner office, and uh, the state has their issues. The national government deals with at a different level, and yet locally, the mask issue was a was a major mm -hmm. problem with some people either. Um, Accepting it or following the rules. Yeah, and yeah. it still is today. Yeah. We have people periodically weigh in that we should consider keeping it in some form or reinstituting it based on the data that goes, yeah. you know, up and down. Yeah, but overall, at City Hall, what is the fo uh, what is the regulations now in terms of masks? As it stands today, the uh, order has been rescinded, so it's optional. It's it's optional. Yes, and and uh, that would be that would be true, obviously, with with. Um, People that are working on the outside, whether yes. it be other it's police, the fire, and, and the uh, uh, DPW, whomever. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we were the last to rescind. Uh, we first wanted to address 
uh, our businesses and try to help them get back to where they needed to be. Uh, and then uh, the attention turned toward us. And so we felt, you know, as we do, we meet all the time on this. Yeah. And it just became a point that we felt comfortable rescinding the order. Yeah. Now, and the school department, what do they do? Yeah, they're separate. I mean, they're governed, as you know, by the school committee. So the school committee uh, actually right around the same time as us rescinded their order as well. Now, is that optional with yes. them? So the teachers can wear masks or not wear masks, yes. the staff people, and also the students? Yes. Yeah. Is there uh, much of that being still done with masks? Yes. Oh, it is? Yep. It's, uh, to our surprise, a number of um, residents and, and staff and teachers and students still wear them. Yeah. And uh, that's fine because we always have felt that ultimately it's going to be up to the individual. Yeah. Maybe uh, it shows you the difference. Uh, there was this, an article in the paper a short time ago, State of Florida, and the governor was at some sort of a public forum, or, and uh, there were some students there, and they were of high school age, as I recall, and they, they had their mask on. Mm -hmm. And here is the governor. I don't know if you knew that story or not. And I he, think so. And he made an issue with the students, which put them, you get 16-year-old, 7-year-old being told by a, someone of authority, what are you wearing, you know, what are you wearing those masks for? And it just, just gives you a different attitude you have in some areas of the country versus uh, Malden or Massachusetts. Yeah, we've never taken that approach. Yeah. We've always tried to find compromise and, um, you know, give the community the ability to decide what works best for them. Yeah. I saw on the paper the other day they terminated uh, 12, I think, or 13 uh, state police. One was a superior officer and the rest were patrolmen for not taking the uh, vaccine. Mm -hmm. But Marlin never had... Uh, we, we did consider it, but we felt ultimately if we were going to do that, we, it, we should be part of a larger network, or even the state should have done it across yeah. all 351 cities and towns. What we didn't want to do was have us do it, but Everett and Medford didn't do it, but Melrose does it, and then you have the communities pitted against each other. So we thought for it to be effective, especially with people going town to town and city to city, that it made sense to do it yeah. regionally or statewide. And when that didn't happen, uh, we decided not to do yeah. anything locally. Yeah. To, to, your not, to your knowledge, did many people that were employed by the city not get vaccinated? No. No, most I, I think the vast majority are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the uh, you mentioned there's a change of direction in terms of how you're viewing the the results currently. Yeah, we were talking beforehand, and uh, two years ago it was always about the positivity rate. You know, what was it? Where did it go from? To now, it's all about hospitalizations, and I think the reason is from our health director Chris Webb that uh, the vaccinated are getting the virus, which wasn't the case early on. And uh, a lot of people are self-testing. So we don't even know if that positivity rate that comes out from the state is truly accurate. So instead now we focus on hospitalization. So if we see a rise in that, that would cause us concern. And as of today, it seems to still be pretty level. Yeah. When you use that word relative to uh, what basically does that mean to the person in the street to you, in terms of the people being affected it, on the population of Marlin? Those that are being admitted to the hospital oh. and are staying. Yeah. You know, so that is the, you know, back in the heyday, it was around 4,000. Uh, I think last time we checked, it was in the hundreds. Oh, the statewide? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a dramatic change. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 So we've focused. Much like you said, it's been changing over time, and so that's the criteria that we've been looking at yeah, now. Yeah, and you're you're currently preparing the budget. It hasn't been submitted. Don't remind yet. me. Yes, yes. The, now, this, this, do you do it after the state does let you know what they're going to give you the, for money? Yes. And the state it doesn't do that. They don't really do that till like June. Uh, we have a sense because the governor comes out with his proposal in January. The House, I think, is in March, early April, and then the Senate is in May. Yeah. And we have until June 30th. So, you know, we typically have a sense between the governor and the House. Yeah. But sometimes we hedge our bet and wait for the Senate. Yeah, because then you ended up with a amended budget after the exactly. July 1st. Yeah, we have to yeah. come back, and we try not to do that. Yeah. Did you have much of an impact on, because uh, one of the sources of revenue for the communities is, is the food tax. Yep, meals tax. Did yep. you have much of an impact in the last couple of years because of the? Yes. 
but fortunately, through the federal government and the state government, they have been helping us recover from the loss of the meals tax. Yeah. And Most how about notably through yeah, the uh, American Rescue Plan Act. Did you also have an impact on excise taxes? Maybe they weren't buying as many cars? Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah everything was down. Uh, I think our total revenue loss was uh, roughly $4 million. Really? Yeah. What other areas would you also shrink the uh, re revenue stream? Uh, just everything. Permitting. You know, permits were down. Because oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. And then you, uh, you uh, city, uh, which was uh, trying to be helpful to restaurants, you gave them a, a liquor license. They gave exactly. A, yeah. Gave them a pass yeah. on those. Yeah. 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 So uh, all combined, it, it, it negatively impacted us. But I have to say the uh, state and federal government, I, I thought, did a pretty good job yeah. on keeping us propped up. Yeah. Yeah, I got the, um, the, the in, w in one sense, I think, um, and there have been times, even in your experience as a school committee, the difficulty of oh, yeah. getting enough money to do what you want to accomplish. <laughs> and then you get the council, <laughs> and now you have to vote on giving the money to other people in government that you think you can earmark for when you, when you might have a different priority. But yeah. uh, I do think that in, in, in some ways the state and, and, the, and the local government in some ways made out better than they might have been able to do under normal circumstances because they got a lot of support from Washington in terms of offsetting losses of revenue by providing additional funding. Yeah, we thought for sure at the outset that they were going to, as they have in the past when there's been a downturn, notify us that you know we should prepare for a 5%, 10%, 15% reduction, but that never happened because of the federal government you know, leading the way on providing us the resources, which in turn the state did for us as well. Yeah, because the state, the state in some ways was almost, it's a kind of a paradox, we're almost revenue-wise, we're better off almost than they would have been if they hadn't <laughs> happened, in terms of where the money came from, the support causes, and yep. they made money available to communities that would normally be available. For yeah. sure. Yeah. It yeah. just didn't help us move beyond, which is understandable based on what we were going through, yeah. which we're now we're hoping to do that again. Yeah. And the uh, the school population in Malden, is, is that increasing still? No, it's not quite to pre-pandemic levels. We're closing in, but it's taken us a couple of years to get back to where we once were. Yeah, it, it, this is in terms of a student body? Yes. When you lo you, did you lose uh, students other other uh, options, or was it just happened that the there weren't as many people old enough to go into school? Uh, I'd say it was a combination. Uh, we, without any hard data, uh, we were told when we did, you know, some random interviews that people had gone south where the jobs were or some people had gone back to their native countries uh, to wait out the pandemic. So I think it was a potpourri of reasons. Yeah, yeah. I... Uh I looked at some records that go back years ago, and um, Marlin has grown a lot in population. Uh, and at one point, uh, of course, it was a, it was going the other way because there was school. You're talking to graduates from 20 years ago, maybe in yeah. your era, yeah. even, which is maybe 20 years ago, but <laughs> or more, Longer. more yep. or less. Longer, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> that you had a higher graduating class, and, and then it dipped, it dipped, and dipped, and then. Um, at one point, I think at one time I think it was as many as maybe seven hundred graduates. Then it went way down, and now it's back up again. I think, and it's maybe yeah, roughly leveled uh, off now. Yeah, it's in the fours. Yeah, you know, roughly right around there. Yeah. Fortunately, even though we had lost students during the pandemic, uh, again, the state and federal government uh, held us harmless, yeah. as they did with other cities and towns. Because, as you know, the funding's based on student population. Yeah. And so. of course, you you didn't have charter schools. Uh, uh, to contend with in your right. era, right? Uh, and that's made a difference in two ways. <laughs> One is the amount of money budget that you don't have to keep for yourself, yeah. and secondly, of course, uh, you have less students, and that's the reason why you have less money uh, available. And mm. uh, which brings another topic up: um, the controversy relative to um, the, the the property in Maplewood. What, what is the current status of that? Uh, uh, maybe just re yeah. just refresh that. I, I uh, having a been involved with an office down years ago and whatever. There was some hard feelings on on, on uh, in terms of and some effort for people to do make a, a change, even though that's private property that was involved, and therefore right. it was kind of a limit on how many options you had. But the, the city was able to make some changes. 
Yep, we are currently working with them. We're meeting on a monthly basis to see if we can come up with a way that would prevent you know, anything happening in Maplewood Square so yeah. as to preserve the character of it. Um, so we'll see where those discussions go, but at least the lines of communication are open yeah. on it. The, um, and what is their attention? Are they going to um, uh, the charter school when they f when the dust finally settles? Because um, again, this is my own observation, separate from anything that we're dealing with now. But I thought um, th there was a, a PR problem that was unnecessary. One of which was, I think, if I recall, they send eviction notices out for tenants in the property that had apartments, which is uh, the property adjacent to the bank mm -hmm. site on Lebanon Street, and it ended up that uh, I think they were trying to push out commercial people there who had leases, which yeah. legitimately would have meant they could have stayed there unless they were com you know, they were financially re re compensated. But anyway, um, and then they uh, ended up uh, at one point, I used to uh, have reasons to be in that area, and they had signs posted, you couldn't park behind the bank. It made no sense here. There right. was just nothing was going on. Was Anyway, but um, uh, that, but so they made some changes. The city made some uh, adjustments, and they, yep. they played a little hot. Uh, the city legitimately played some hotball with the, with them, and they ended up uh, agreeing to do some things that they apparently weren't going to do. But what do they plan to do long range? We're not entirely sure ourselves. I think right now we're in the mode of just trying to find a way to pause and see if we can preserve what Maplewood Square is, while at the same time also assisting the tenants uh, in the long term. So we have two tracks going. One is to work with the Mystic Valley Regional Charter School mm -hmm. to preserve Maplewood Square, and then another track to try to figure out a long-term solution for the tenants. Yeah. One of the, one of the um, I guess it's fortunate, the city had uh, uh, an ability to put some restraints in terms of time on whatever they did, and they had to do with the demolition part of it. Well, they had to agree to it. Yeah. I mean, uh, they did come to the table, and we were able to buy some time. I think that was our immediate concern initially, was just to try to take a pause so we could talk and discuss ways that we can move forward together. Yeah. Uh, so that was the first thing we did. So we bought time into next year to be able to do that. So again, by that happening, we now are meeting once a month to slowly try to figure this out so we'll see yeah so but um I, from what i understand I'm, I'm not privy to a lot of the goings on uh, i think the original intention was maybe this demolished part of the property but now there's some setback or maybe they're going to do something a little differently anyway and and uh, yeah so i think it's all up in the air and i think it's because we're now communicating with them yeah uh, which we thought from the beginning was most important, yeah. no matter how you felt about the situation, mm -hmm. because they bought the property, it's theirs. We now had to play the hand that we're dealt. Right. So we've accepted that and are now trying to keep them at the table to figure out something together. Yeah. And I, they're doing that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it, you know, it goes back maybe that um, in hindsight, if they had thought, moved in a different way, they wouldn't have created the issue. That yeah. We found out uh, via social media. So there was typically. That's a, a shock. Yeah. <laughs> typically we <laughs> nice get. Nice to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone told me and then yeah. I checked it out. But typically we. Yeah. Would, I was out at the bus stop. And said yeah. <laughs> My experience, you would get an official communication or a heads up or a meeting. Yeah. saying, hey, this is what we've done, this is what we intend to do. Yeah. But, you know, that's over here. we got to go this way, so that's what yeah. we're trying to do. But that's also happened. There's, there's a comp I don't recall now uh, a couple of years ago or so, um, there's a complex uh, apartment building up next near the library uh, and among other places where new owners came in and the first yep. thing they do, which is not unusual, they raise the rent and then yep. they end up uh, in some instances – they discouraged people from staying, and, and the result is that uh, the city had people that were long-term residents of the city, perhaps they were on fixed income, then all of a sudden they were, and, you know, all the people sometimes have a hard time adjusting their uh, schedule, you know, or the residency, yep. or make a big change like that without a lot of preparation. All of a sudden they find out you you literally couldn't afford to stay there, but the city worked with those. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we did. Alex Pratt uh, from... Um, the former MRA, we worked together for several months with United Properties who purchased the 
three buildings and we were able to come to an agreement for the next five years. Yeah. So again, it's just getting past the initial shock and sitting down and working together. Yeah. Um, one thing maybe that, 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 that hasn't hit you at the standing at the bus stop and finding the latest news out, but I, uh, I went to eat the other day at the Bobby C's up in Main Street with, and there's a there's an apartment complex part of that development, and part of it's in Melrose and part of it's in Malden. Mm-hmm. And I was talking with one of the residents uh, who was there to, uh, for dinner, and uh, she said that uh, they received notice effective, I think, May 1st, that the rents were increased $400 a month there. Mm-hmm. And I think it might even, depending on maybe the size of the unit, um, and she's on the Melrose side, but it's f- she formerly lived in Malden. But anyway, I think she said some of them have gone up 500. But she said a lot have left because of the increase. Mm-hmm. And, and then she hasn't made a decision yet because in her in- situation, again, getting it back to the age factor, she's comfortable where she is, and and all of a sudden, can your budget afford it or your, your income? But yeah. that uh, it almost seems like being that aggressive with the rent increase that maybe they got some other long-range plans to convert to condos or something. Yeah, let us know if you hear because we have not. They you have haven't not, heard. Uh, well, go to the bus stop. Right, I know, then. right. <laughs> but we are trying to put a number of measures in place. I think you know now we have our very first uh, inclusionary zoning ordinance in place. So anybody building eight units and above now will be impacted by that. Right. Uh, we also now have an affordable housing trust, which has roughly a million dollars that we intend to partner with someone to build affordable housing. And, um, you know, we are going to use a, a good chunk of the American Rescue Plan Act funding yeah, to yeah. purchase vacant properties. If you can believe this, there are vacant homes in Malden. No one's living in them. Just, uh, you mean like 5,000 square feet lots yeah. and that stuff? Oh, Two family homes sitting yeah. vacant. Still 5,000 feet. Yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to purchase them yeah. and convert them to permanent affordable housing. And, so. and um, now, would you do it as a landlord or would you just do it as a middle person to middle. turn them over to flip them? Yeah, to a community development corporation yeah. or someone of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, with the... Um, the crisis that occurred with the economy in the last couple of years, the city's been involved, as other communities have been, with subsidizing rent or in, in, in helping Rental people assistance. in that situation. Same with businesses. Yeah. Yeah, we used the initial round of federal funding to do just that. So hundreds of thousands of dollars that were used for businesses and residents to keep up because we were told that was their biggest thing was keeping up with the mortgages and, and the rents. Uh, we also used a portion of those funds to help have some of our local nonprofits in the courthouse working with people who are in legal proceedings. So Justice Star Corporation and Housing Families were our, our eyes and ears at the courthouse. Yeah. So I think we were able to prevent, uh, it's in the State of the City address on YouTube, uh, roughly 315 evictions. That many? Yeah, by having these organizations in the courthouse so they were able to help mediate and and um, the in terms of um, the current situation in terms of the moratorium on on evictions that's no long in place is it just ended uh last month yes yeah we went as long as we could but the courts finally caught yeah. up with us yeah and and did you have an influx of of eviction notices that you were aware of as nope uh, and i think that was because of all the measures we had in place at the outset of the pandemic so it wasn't something that we decided mid-pandemic or toward the end. Yeah. Alex Pratt and others, uh, we worked with them to come yeah. up with the measures that I mentioned previously to have them in place on the front end of the pandemic. Yeah. Did you sometimes find the, the, the complaint was not from the tenants but from the owners of the property that said, hey, I have to pay the mortgage, and yeah. now, I, now I don't collect the rent. What, what am I going to do? It was a combination, but once they understood that we had resources to help, I think both parties yeah. uh, felt better about yeah. that. Yeah. Now, um, with your um, state of the city uh, uh, address, was that in person this year? No. Uh, the chamber, I think it was at the height of Omicron, okay. decided to keep it virtual. Yeah. What what um, the kinds of things you're looking forward for more than it's, it's a change in terms of what's been done. In the past, you got some big things going that you're, you're going to have to spend a lot of time and effort focused on? Yeah, I would say they're the next big three. 
Uh, one is the courthouse, which we are in the process of purchasing from the state, which we hope to then make an uh, arts and culture center. Do what? An arts center. Oh, okay. You know, culture center where, you know, the way I envision it, uh, there's a committee working on it led by uh, Councillor Lenahan and Evans Petrini from the uh, former MRA. Uh, but essentially, you know, w you could take an adult class there, you know, pottery or language. You could see a black box theater show on the weekend, maybe a small comedy show. Uh, sketch group could have their exhibit there. So it would be an all-in-one place for people to go and yeah. enjoy the arts and culture yeah. of Malden. Uh, number two is the train station. We are meeting once a month with the MBTA to figure out a way to overhaul and upgrade Malden Center train station. And then finally, the Public Works Department, we're getting ready to upgrade that site as well in conjunction with a park that's being built out back. So they're going to stay there? Because at one time I thought they were trying to, the city was thinking of trying to relocate. Yeah, we had a site. It just didn't work out. Yeah. And so we have decided to stay where we are and upgrade that in partnership with Malden River Works, who's going to build a climate-resilient park out back for all to be able to yeah. use and, and enjoy. And, and, and now you still have uh, the temporary uh, usage of uh, 110 Pleasant Street. Is that is the city still have uh, uh, people working out of that location? Yes, it's now the home of the Malden School Department. Oh, the school department. Yeah, so the superintendent, the assistant superintendents, the budget office. Oh, interesting. They had been spread out throughout the district, right. and we had always hoped one day to be able to bring them back together. And so when we left 110 Pleasant, that's what we did. Yeah, and so the intention would be, unless some, uh, something happens in the foreseeable future, the city retains that, would tend to retain yes. that. I see. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Because now yeah. it frees up space in the schools. Yeah, yeah. The, um, the contrast between the current... Um, location you're at versus it's, it's um, are we still the only community in Massachusetts that have a uh, um, condo uh, off uh, I think so yeah. if not the country oh. that's what we were told uh, I know one thing they said it they can't think of another mixed use development that included a civic use yeah it's always retail residential yeah so to have civic be part of it they yeah. find it very unique yeah. what we're being told and, and cost-wise, do you have any sense of? Uh, I would think number one is it's, it's a, obviously a different type of a situation in terms of space, mm -hmm. but it's not a big drafty building. I think no. which is expensive to heat, not right. everything before. Um, and uh, I, I know at one point when they had to consolidate this space and they were using one ten for even more than they're doing a different uses. Then you had the city agencies down there. I think the people in some instances liked it there. They didn't want to go with the city. <laughs> but maybe they didn't like it because of the newness. They didn't have to exactly. get it Exactly. Yeah. But now they love it. Yeah, you. Everybody wants to be in City yeah, Hall. Yeah, it really yeah. came out spectacular. Yeah. With all the changes downtown, did did parking accommodations increase at all? Because well, parking seems to still be a problem downtown. Always. Always will be. Yeah. You know, we just have to start over in order to get it right, yeah. which we, we won't. So we're doing what we can. You know, Ron Hogan, the um, – Jack of all trades is overseeing the parking operation. And uh, one thing that we have done, we have meters now in the downtown, which we never did, to try to help move cars. And we think that's helping. Oh, the meters? Yes. Yeah. We didn't have those just a couple of years ago, and now we do on yeah. Pleasant Exchange. Yeah. The other thing is uh, Ron uh, has been upgrading the garages, uh, so they have all new LED lighting. Uh, we have a security firm now at night patrolling. And we're doing some oh, upgrades. like a contract. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, because before, mm -hmm. was the MIRA responsible yeah. for that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So in the merger, yeah. you know, it's now under the parking department. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, um. <laughs> you know, all new paint. So we're trying to really dress those up. Yeah. One of the things that I think Marlin has done, which I'm not aware of any other communities, and even though there's people are critici criticizing parking violations and tickets and all, and, and I got one the other day. <laughs> Well, my fault, but anyway, uh, um, you get 15 minutes of free. So those people that are – I think that's just Pleasant Street. It's not Exchange yeah. Street. Right. Pleasant, yeah. I, I think it's just Pleasant, yeah. But the thing is, for them to have a quick errand to do, you, you don't have to look in your pocket for coins because sometimes people don't carry money much anymore. Yeah. So you, you have that quick 15 minutes, and therefore you can do the, what you need to do, and then you don't bother with the meter. But more important than that, I think it was kind of a gesture to the public to make them aware that you, there are, you're not there just for 
looking for tickets to, to, to increase your revenue, then you're trying to be fair to people at the same time. If you didn't do it, you would, you, people would hog the spaces anyway. So, yeah, and uh, that's just a result of years of experience. Yeah. So uh, back when Ted Coates was the executive director of the chamber and Kevin Duffy, our business development officer, they had surveyed the businesses to find out if we did do meters, what would be some of the things they would hope for. And this was one. And then fortunately we had Ron Hogan in place at that time yeah. to help make it happen. Yeah. Just for the listening public, and th <laughs> they may, I, uh, I started the other day to go up to the uh, Citizens Bank up on Main Street toward Melrose because because uh, it's more convenient mm -hmm. than going downtown. And there was an accident, so they were cruis they had cruisers and they had ambulances and all up and near the Pine Bank before he got that far up. Okay. It, so anyway, the street got blocked. So I turned around and came back to the mall and and I parked. It, it, it's a Century Bank on Main Street, where the old we're right next to the old City Hall, old old City yeah. Hall, and the and the old Mall and Savings Bank. And anyway. Uh, I went in and I got delayed for reasons beyond my control. And when I came out, I had a ticket. Well, uh, the fact of the matter was that I, w I was wrong because th there uh, those are city parking spots, but you have to go to a kiosk. A kiosk. And I never realized that. So I had just pulled in and uh, it ended up on my way out coming out on Ferry Street after I'd gone in the bank and said, I got a ticket. They said, yeah, but that's... Not our property. I just assumed it was Citizen Bank. Market. Well, you should you should appeal that because well, some people no, don't know. No, no, know. I, I, but I. Uh, but I, we ended up uh, we considered metering that lot as well as Pleasant Street, but we ended up going with the kiosk. It's just much more efficient. Yeah, because what they did it, it, when I realized the, the heads are off the yeah. the meters there, that that should have been a clue. And right. then, uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. <laughs> but it's overall, it, it's helped, we think, move yeah. traffic along. Yeah, yeah. You know, before, cars would just sit there with no meter. Well, actually, even when that's what threw me off a little bit. When I pulled into the lot, I saw a couple of commercial vans, like uh, heating and ventilation or whatever. And I thought, gee, they must be uh, working in the building. Otherwise, they must hog in the space. Not realizing that they uh, they got the same problem I would have. Is that's <laughs> not, not just public parking. Yeah. Which also, just as an extension of that, you have a lot of new businesses downtown. For sure. And, and um, there's, a, there's a wine, uh, you know, a specialty wine. Yeah, I know it well. Oh, you do? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's right across the city hall. Yeah, not so, only that. The yeah. issues I work on, I need a glass of wine. Yeah, when I get and, home. and uh, but you've got two restaurants there. Yep. And um, overall, are the people that come in uh, finding it work? It's working for them? Yes. And it, you know, is what we had always hoped for. The previous city hall being in the middle of the street, you wouldn't know there was a downtown. Right. But by it being removed, we're seeing people now get off Malden Center train station and come down Pleasant as opposed to before. They would just go straight shot down exchange. I see. So it, it's helping, like you said, because of the new businesses. That's the telltale. Yeah. And and they're doing well? Or yes, they, for sure. Yeah. Because uh, the, the, when the wine store came, uh, and it, but it was it was more than just a, a, a package store. I yeah, mean, they specialized and in, in, yeah. in, 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 in other things. And uh, I, I kind of thought, gee, people are lazy. They don't want to move too far to go in, in stores. And yet, uh, but the, they coming here as they did. They're not just relying on the on the people coming in for a quick bottle of wine. They're, they're obviously uh, broadening their inventory, so they are attracting a, a, a broad groups of people that maybe that's why it makes a difference. I think they do deliveries too. Yeah, and you know, yeah, they do. And you know what else helped was the Malden Planning Board, um, the former MRA, uh, Mayor Howard, and others who had done that plan back in, uh, I think it was 2007 or 8, that called for more residents to be living in the square, which would then help yeah. support the retail. Yeah. And so the retail seeing that now because the people that are living in the downtown – are there on the weekends? They're there at night, and they're supporting. Yeah, that's just that's another factor. Would be the apartment. Yeah, a lot dollars. of them come downstairs, go into Malden Center, find wines. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, how does the city address um, um, the, the recent census? Suggested that number one, Malden's population has increased significantly mm -hmm. in ten years, and equally as important that. Uh, apparently, the, the, by definition, white people are minority in Malden now. Mm -hmm. and, and so the city services, whether you're talking about building department or other other city agencies and the treasurer's office or whatever, or, or, or certainly uh, the register of voters in those kind of situations. Yeah. I mean, 
is the city being able to adapt their uh, to the to the change in the population and, and, and communicate with the people and get done what the needs to be done? Yeah, without a doubt. I think first on the technical side, a lot of our things are being done online now. So that has helped us keep up with the population growth. Uh, I mean, even in the city clerk's office, you know, your son, Greg, we just put the dog licenses online before you had to come in, oh. write a check. Now you can do it all online. I mean, even um, I think it was birth certificates Greg was telling me. Before you would send it in, you put a self-addressed envelope, they would do it, send it back, do it all online now. You don't need any of that. So that's one aspect. Uh, the other is now we have a diversity, equity, and inclusion officer, Bibios LaRochelle, who has been helping us attract more people who speak different languages. So I think this is for to be employees. Yes. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think at City Hall now we have a number of employees who speak a different language. Uh, just yesterday, I ran into someone who uh, spoke only uh, Spanish, and. Uh, I was just about to go into a meeting with our police chief, Kevin Mullis. He's one of our translators. He came down and spoke with the gentleman. In oh, he speaks Espan Spanish? Yes. Oh, he does? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so that's been helpful. And we're formalizing it this month. We're actually going to have someone designated to only work on language access. So this person we're bringing on board is going to help take us forward to be able to make sure that, you know, everyone's a part of the city. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned uh, the, the chief uh, police. Um, there's been a surge literally across the state and maybe countrywide about the violence that's occurred in schools. There's been a little of that in Malden. I don't think it's been excessive, but they did have one incident recently that was very serious or could have been far more serious than yes. than uh, you normally expect. And um, the, from what I understand, some of it apparently is attributed maybe to remote requirements for learning for a while, so Maybe the students in some instances got out of use, got out of the way of how they're supposed to behave? Yeah, that's one component. Uh, the other one is just the way of the world today. There's a lot of stress, uh, a lot of issues economically, and so that all combined has us on our heels. But we're in the midst right now of opening a um, school-based health center at Malden High School, which will offer primarily... Uh, mental health services. Yeah. So we hope that will help our students because they've told us that is a great need for them because a lot of them are working for their families. They're participating in sports. There's a lot of a lot of pressure on them. Yeah. At one time, they had an alternate school that was housed in the, in the, in the garage, mm -hmm. and that was for students that, for whatever reasons, weren't the conventional profile of the typical high school student or whatever. Um, what happens to students that don't conform to the rules and they reach the point where they disrupt development of the city or the school department has to make a decision? Uh, well, today they're integrated. I mean, everybody is in the high school, which uh, that was back when I think Dana Brown was the principal and Mayor Howard was uh, the mayor. And uh, we've never looked back. Uh, we've always been able to find a way to serve our students. And so I don't see us ever returning to having, you know, sub-separate programs yeah. in other parts of the city. Yeah, the discipline issues, are they, uh, um, you don't see a significant surge in it recently, or maybe hopefully it's, it's tapered off somewhat, except for those rare instances? Yeah, uh, I think overall I spend a lot of time in the schools, as you know, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's anything out of, the ordinary from prior school years. I mean, it's been an uptick from what we're told due to the pandemic, but not catastrophic. And we do have two school resource offices working alongside the administration to help address that. Yeah, yeah. So we have one in the K-8s and we have one at Malden High. Uh, the, if the rap problems, is, uh, is it more at the level of the high school age kids rather than from the middle school? Not necessarily. Uh, definitely I don't see much uh, K-5, but the middle school, yeah. 6, 7, 8 up. It's a tough age. Yeah, too. for sure. Yeah. Again, in the world we live in, yeah. it's understandable. It's just so much pressures yeah. that didn't exist, I think, when... Uh, is some of that language barriers maybe with the students themselves yes. and, the, and the parents maybe not being uh, English-speaking or not primarily English-speaking? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. part of it. We have a high population there. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, it's, but I, I feel like based on what I've seen, I just left the, I was at the BB school this morning. 
uh, the teachers and the staff are certainly putting in the effort. I mean, these students that I was with this morning, they were great. So, you know, yeah. it's like uh, Principal Mr. Angelo said at the high school, 99% are doing what we all had hoped they would do. But there's always, you know, I think when we were growing up, it was the bad apple. You know, there's always going to be yeah. some yeah. for whatever reason. So we try to support them as best we can. Yeah, um, we talked a little bit earlier about some of the contrasts, let's say the charter school situations, property-wise versus the city. And um, the, the, uh, from my understanding is that, um, uh, in looking back at the numbers, uh, does charter schools serve a useful purpose? Malden has a lot of students, that are, uh, residents who have students here. But one of the criticisms was the formula mm -hmm. that was determined, uh, and of course that's a, an issue that's not going to be settled here in Marlin, it's at the state of. But uh, I, uh, is there any talk of maybe looking at that? Because it seems that one of the, aside from the fact that you don't have this revenue in your budget that to be used for Marlin students who are in the public school system, this, the, the amount of money that goes into the charter school really isn't consistent with the cost for a public school student versus right. what they with uh, they have in, in, the, in their student group. But it's is there any? It's talked about every day. Oh, it is? Oh, yeah. 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 And we have made presentations to our state delegation. We've made them to the school committee, to our city council, and we're hoping at some point the delegation will figure something out. We know that... Their concern is if the formulas change, it's going to impact cities and towns who don't want it impacted. So what Ron Hogan has suggested that our delegation do is come up with a um, some type of uh, pothole account that wouldn't change the formula per se, but would mitigate uh, the issues that we have dealt with over the years due to the way the current formula is constructed. Yeah. Yeah. So we're waiting to hear back from them on whether or not they might do that. Yeah. Some communities, depending on where they're situated, uh, aggressively seek to get, uh, in lieu of taxes, these are from nonprofits, mm -hmm. to get a, a, a stipends from them or an amount of contributions to the city services that they get the benefit of without directly being able to, uh, or need to pay for it. So is there any is there much of that in Marlin where nonprofits contribute to, to the city support? No. we. I can't think of... Um any pilots at least, off the top. At least of all the charter schools. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. I mean, it isn't like Cambridge where, and Boston where they right. have universities and exactly. hospitals and whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, in some ways, um, it's not so much in Malden, but when you look at the, even like colleges, uh, as an example, they have this huge revenue stream from football, for yeah. instance, or basketball, and sometimes because of television. And, uh Obviously, the, the the football coaches in some schools get paid ten times what the president right. of, the, of the college earns. It was responsible for the whole school. Yeah, and you say, gee, that that's not really what education is supposed to be about. Where your football is the priority of basketball, and yet they do have a reasons why they might be looking sometime in the future. They should treat that as a, a revenue stream. For but, sure. but even now, the charter school has property they bought for residence purposes, I believe, in Maplewood area. Mm -hmm. And I don't think those are taxed at all, are they? Correct. Yeah. No. So you're not only uh, pay, paying per student that from Walden, but you're also losing, losing the, the ta property tax. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe but you put that on the agenda. <laughs> <laughs> Take that up with the city council to yeah. six. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the scheme, it doesn't really significantly impact no I can yeah, understand yeah, yeah, yeah you don't have a huge huge exactly. hospitals and that sort of yeah. thing but it, but it is kind of an interesting uh, situation I think that uh, in terms of the when you you, you what it costs in, in, in the public schools to educate of all the complications you have with some of the students and yet the amount of money that goes to the charter schools and this is true whether it's because I think Cambridge paid even a higher per capita than Marlin the last the last time I saw the figures. So it, it, it isn't just a flat amount. It depends on what students cost to a community. Yeah. And, the, and the charter school gets the benefit of that number after they do the adjustments. So, yeah. I yeah. can tell you, though, when you peel that back, uh, the one thing that I heard for in all four corners of the city, there are some students who go to that school, do great, and there are some that don't do great in public. So I do like trying to find whatever you know, whichever way it takes to reach the student. We have students that go to Malden Catholic. 
yes. done great. So yeah. I like that aspect of it. But the formulas and everything else really needs to be reviewed. Yeah, and that's a political issue, so that's not an educational one. Right. And unfortunately, the politics be what they are, it'll, little, it'll be a little difficult for some of the state elected officials to be uh, <laughs> supporting a program that's going to take money away from them. Yeah, but yeah. if you know our team, they're pressing hard on it. Yeah, so yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to digress uh, a little bit, I um, the state election's coming up. Mm-hmm. And uh, is it? Be, it just seems very quiet. I don't see a lot of uh, uh, things going on. Is it too early for for November election? I don't really know. I mean, I'm so ingrained in what's happening at City Hall. Yeah, I don't pay yeah. much attention to what's happening at the um, state election level. Yeah, but, I mean, there, there's there's hardly anybody. I mean, there's a Republican candidate running to replace Baker. Or as far as I know, maybe there's two, but only one I know the name. Right. I think that's what I heard and, as well. And even at the, on the Democratic side, there's two. Well, I think two. Yeah, yeah. that's which you, you say. Gee, that's a, with him him leaving an office. I would think that would be a great opportunity for if you get by the primary. Yeah. And then at the at the other uh, statewide offices, there doesn't seem much going on at all. The one that seems to have every every four years that uh, he gets challenges, Billy Galvin. Oh and, yeah, and, yeah, and he's yeah. got an opponent again this year. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, one thing I um, I mentioned on my own show uh, when you weren't here, and uh, and I I'm going to bring up a subject maybe it's just a change of direction. Sure. <laughs> the um, some states have a single slate of candidates when they have an election at a state level, and if the top candidate doesn't get fifty percent of the total vote, then the top two candidates run off. And in that way, it, it isn't. It could be two Republicans, it could be a Democrat and a Republican, it could be two Democrats. And just to cite, in my own memory, the first time Eddie Markey ran for office, if, if, if this is for Congress, there were six or eight people running. There was a state senator among the ones that were running. There was a, a state representative who eventually was, the, I don't think he was the mayor of Revere at, at that time, I think he ended up as the mayor. There were just, for instance, two students and uh, two two were the candidates. And then, of course, locally it was Joe Crokin, who was a well-known person, right. but not active in politics. Uh, and Eddie Markey won the election with, as I remember, a, a little more than twenty percent of the vote. And he said, "Well, gee, that's that's a long way from fifty percent." But because it was a a primary designated election, he was nominated by the Democrats. I don't remember if he had a Republican opponent, but whomever he or she might have been, it certainly wasn't going to be a challenge in November. Right. And so, so obviously, he would have maybe won in November, so it wouldn't have mattered. But the reality was, that's a lot, a lot of people to be getting elected by. And then the more recent election was replacing Kennedy when he ran for state office. He was replaced for the, in the Congress, and there was a crowded field then. And uh, I think it was somebody from Newton who got elected. Yep. And was, and uh, he uh, again he had much, he didn't have much more than twenty percent of the vote, but the real the real election I just want to touch on is that in Georgia there was a senator by the name of Purdue. Yep. And they have a, a single slate in that state. He got forty nine point seven percent, I think, of the vote in the primary. But since he didn't get the fifty percent. He had a run against the second local uh, uh, nominated person, and he lost the, evac- the election in November. If it had been in Massachusetts, the election would have been over, presumably, and the Republicans would have had 51 voters in the Senate and the Democrats only 49. By him being short of the 50%, and then I think at that time, the president, the lame duck president, was telling people, "Don't vote in Georgia." So some of them maybe, and it was a January uh, special right. election. I remember that. So anyway, maybe there's a, there's a healthy. Uh, I mean, I'm just giving you, uh, uh, not asking your opinion, but a healthy uh, <laughs> reason why, if you have a, a single slate, it would maybe uh, get more people to vote because less and less people seem to be interested in going to the polls anyway. They think it doesn't matter because their vote doesn't count. It doesn't mean much. I don't know. They've been saying that for as far back as I can remember. Um, I just think it's up to the candidate to motivate the people to 
get out and vote. I mean, you can always find a flaw in any system yeah. that you choose. And uh, my experience with the current system that we have, it works fine from my vantage point. But you're talking about non-partisan elections or every election? Yeah, I'm talking not. Well, I, I don't have any experience above, but nonpartisan at the yeah. local level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nonpartisan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking more of the the, uh, the state officials. Yeah. And, right. And, and, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But anyway, well, we'll see what happens. I, I uh, uh, again, I just uh, use that as an analogy that uh, it would have been a, a striking difference. I mean, as many problems as President Biden has with not only with his own party, with the Republicans, and with the world as it is today, if it were 51 Republicans instead of 50, there would be a lot more problem. True. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what, what goes on. But maybe what, I mean, Truman used that as a do-nothing Congress to get get reelected president when he ran it, so right. maybe uh, Biden <laughs> could use that when, when uh, I don't think he's going to run again anyway, but that's another whole story. So anyway, well. Any other comments you want to make before you take off? No, I just wanted to say thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk with you and also to the community. I know it's been a real tough couple of years, but I think we have, you know, by and large hung in there, and that's a credit to uh, everybody watching, and I especially want to thank our staff. Well, the people that have – now, the, the, fortunately, even if they don't have access to a computer to, to, to uh, see a state-of-the-city address – um, I think the uh, Marlon Cable UMA is, is running it yes. currently, so it will be uh, available uh, for people that uh, watch cable TV. Yeah, but and we've uh, taken it on the road, so we brought it to Forestdale Park. Oh, we saw that. Yeah, yeah. you did it with the uh, um, yeah, just at Forestdale uh, in the Malden Senior Center. That's so what I Mass thought. Senior yeah, yeah, Council. that was um, interesting. Now the Senior Center um, brings me up another question. I'll let you mention that. Um, is that limited to Marlin residents, the, the uh, services they have there? Uh, no, I don't believe it is. Yeah, they get more flexibility. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. a lot of the activities are fee-based, Yeah. so it helps generate the you know, the revenue to cover yeah. the cost of the yeah. services. Yeah. yeah, one observation, uh, we mentioned this, the senior center, they had that special election for the bond for the, uh, the regional school. Yeah, there don't wasn't, remind me. There wasn't a lot of issues there. there was, no. It was overwhelmingly support. If one we're, of the, cons we're concerned, though, if, for sure. If, if, if one of the communities that voted no, would that have defeated it? No. At that point, you needed uh, 51% to vote no across all of them. Across the communities? Yeah. Oh, I see. The member communities. I see, yeah. It took one to vote no to get it on the ballot. Oh, I see. So that's what caused the election to begin with. Uh, we're just concerned about, obviously, how to finance this because without a new revenue source, we're just going to be taken from within. Yeah, because more than share was like, is it $3 million a year or a million uh, Roughly a, a million. A one, million, one yeah. 1.2, I think it is. Well, that's what you get from Encore, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but we've already had that spent. Yeah. So that's, that's long a, gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell you what, um, which again, with Encore, I think that's been sold. It isn't win-owned any longer. Nope. I did. It was kind of a low, low, low uh, below the radar. Someone just mentioned it recently that they said, "Oh, they don't own it anymore. They sold it." Yeah, I, I mean, uh, we're not real privy to that, but yeah. I can tell you they've been honoring the agreement. Yeah, they had a despite lot of, the highs and lows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they've been. Uh, they've been a good partner for us. Yeah, they, I was going to say that, yeah. and of course they. Uh, they do a lot of bread of life and housing families, and they've been good. And uh, one other preordal. Yes, I would just like to mention his name because his name serves is a very. Below the radar person, but sure. he's very generous to the community, very charitable. He does a lot of things, and he's not looking for the acknowledgement. I don't think he just does it because he is. Just offered up his building last Thursday night for the annual Blue and Gold Art Gallery. Yeah, we no did. cost, no charge. Yeah. Let's them take over the whole lobby, first floor area. Yeah, because I, I ended up, um, this is some time ago, the Mystic Valley Elder Services had a fundraiser there, and, and, uh, Again, the facility was made available gratis. Yep. And, so, uh, and he's uh, financing a lot of the maintenance of uh, parks, yeah. Bell Rock Memorial, yeah. most notable. Yeah. 
So hats well, off. Maybe to we him. can put him in the Hall of Fame, and, and uh, he should be. <laughs> <laughs> He's a make him an honorary citizen of Malden. Yeah. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Now that's coming up the end of April. The yes. Hall of Fame. Yep. We're yeah, getting some ready. interesting. Ron Cox is among the people. Well deserved. Yeah, and his classmate. I think they, I think they're the same class with uh, Goldman, Michael Goldman. Yes. I think he was classmate. Yeah, he was just on Ron's show, I believe, live on tape. Oh, he or was. It might have been a rerun. I don't yeah, know. well, that yeah. means I can't call him. He's already off. <laughs> but anyway, so you got any other things you might want to touch on before we? No, plan? I think that's it. I would just encourage everyone to take a look at that address. It's a snapshot of where we've been and where we're going. Malden, state of the city. Yeah. YouTube. It's on our YouTube channel. Yeah. You did mention Bread of Life. Are they uh, going to a site separate from the Eastern Avenue for the? No, they'll be there permanently, long term. Right now, they're sort of still spread out. Well, on Madison Street, are they going to stay there, too? No, I think they'll eventually end up on Easton Ave. Oh, they will. For the long haul. Yeah. I think they're there just temporarily until we break ground, which is coming up. Yeah. And and, and um, for the people who may not be aware of it, um, I know the Lions used to go on Saturday uh, for the Y. They do also food distribution on on Saturday. They've been just as important as Bread of Life during this pandemic. Yeah, and obviously... uh, is you realize how sometimes that makes a difference in people's lives. They can they can go to a, a source that provides some nutritious food and at the, donate it. Yeah. And uh, a wide variety from week to week. And yeah, so, we've been so impressed that we dedicated a portion of our community development block grant to helping them expand the facility from within. You're talking about the the uh, Bread of Life. Uh, the Y. Oh, the Y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and. and uh, um, well, in fact, the Bread of Life is doing a building fund, I think, now. Yeah, the Bread of Life, we used the CDBG to buy a new truck. Their truck had been years old. I see. So they have a new white truck. It's in the state of the city address. You'll see yeah. it. Uh, Big uh, box truck. Yeah, in fact, I, I was on Ferry Street the other day. The, the city has a truck that is, it's available to the high school. It's got all signs. So the it's, it's the like food a, truck. It's a travel. Yeah, <laughs> food truck. So we're going to kids' homes during the summer to make sure they're eating. Oh, I, that's it. That's right. Okay, because yeah. we'll uh, go yeah. to parks. And, yeah, 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 yeah. That was well, the an idea of uh, Tony Mertz, our budget director. Okay, she got a grant to help finance it. Yeah, yeah. So it's been great. Well, if I find any other sources that might <laughs> add to your your your, your, your budget, I'll, I'll I'll pass them on. To All you right. Because, yeah. Uh, the uh, so the city hasn't done their budget yet. It'll be coming up, and uh, May. Based on what I've seen of the state of the city address, there's a lot going on in yes. the community and. Uh, for the most part, I think they're, they're positive things that are in long term are beneficial to uh, to the residents of the and would maybe encourage some people to come and come to Malden either as a tenant or as a, a property owner because uh, there's a there's a community atmosphere I think here and some of it starts at the at the where it should in the corner office. So. Yeah, it, we have a lot of challenges, no doubt, but I think we also have a lot to be proud of. Yeah, so, yeah. again, thank you to you all for yeah. helping us yeah. get through this. Yeah. Well, thanks for stopping by. <laughs> Anytime. We'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll talk too. All right. I just have a couple of other things. I'll give you a change of pace. <laughs> uh, we'll let the, let the mayor off, on the hook, right. off the hook here. And, uh, but uh, two or three quick things. This is uh, uh, one of the amuses me. The top traffic excuses for tickets. 24% of the people who get stopped for uh, traffic violations didn't realize they were speeding. 18% thought they were late for, said, claimed they were late for work. 14% said they were going so fast as everybody else. 11% were late to pick up or drop off a child. 11% blamed a medical emergency. 11% didn't see a speed limit sign. And 9%, which may be the best one of all, had to go to the bathroom. So anyway, that's the story about the people that went, why they get, uh, try to get a uh, defense or excuses why when they uh, going to get a traffic ticket for uh, violating the rules. And uh, the other quick thing is that, um, Airbnb is a, a a big issue in this country for sources of, of people on, on vacations or away from their residence staying. And uh, one thing to pay attention to is that in, they often the, the information you receive um, on the uh, on the internet or whatever indicates the per cost per night. But uh, some of them now they have a, a home a home cleaning fee, and 
if it's a relatively short stay, like a night or two, it's, it could be significant. So uh, I'm only bringing that up to caution you to read the fine print because you might be shocked. It's one thing if you stayed a week or 10 days or longer, but if it were uh, just a day or two, you may find the cleaning fee more than upsets the savings you think you're going to get by using them instead of a hotel or a motel. And on that note, I appreciate you listening and look forward to having you watch the show on Saturday or Sunday if you didn't see it all today. And again, thank you.